What would happen if some of the critical services needed for your business suddenly goes down? Do you have a disaster recovery plan in place? Today's podcast is all about that. And although no disaster recovery plan is 100% foolproof, I'm going to try and share some valuable resources with you. I'm Rian, your honest IT advisor from IP Dimension. Let's talk DR planning. can't believe that it's episode 22 already and I should actually call this episode 22b. (laughs) So yesterday I recorded this episode and um, when I was done recording my wife said you're either really passionate about this or you're really angry about this. (laughs) That's the vibe that you said through this recording. Thought, okay so maybe I should redo this but today's topic is really a hot topic and and I think in essence I'm really passionate about it and the reason for that is that um, I'd like to ensure uptime for all of our clients and disaster recovery management is part of ensuring that uptime and that's why it's it's such a passion to have our clients up and running and and this is why I'm doing this podcast is to give you some tips and I'm going to discuss discuss five tips for drafting your disaster recovery plan. So those five points are summarized and, and I'd give them to you. Point number one is you you need to identify the what, then you need to identify the how, you need to identify the need, your fourth identification is the who, and then finally your fifth identification is identifying risk. Okay, so let's get into point number one, identifying the what. Now, this is probably the most important part, and that's why I'm listing it as your first step. And you're going to take an outside-in approach. And when we say outside-in, it means that you need to go and have a look at what services are you providing to the outside world. In other words, do you have e-commerce sites or um, websites that ho- that's hosted on your servers? Or perhaps you're providing a payment exchange for customers to log in and make payments or they can shop online or whatever this the case may be but go and identify what are those services that you provide to the outside world and then the second part to identifying the what is you need to identify what services are you providing to your company inside your employees the people that that does business um Listed as as email, for instance. Everybody needs email. You can list it as, um, let's call it spreadsheets with calculations. Um, if, if you've got macro-enabled worksheets that people use to, to draw up figures or draw up projections for the next financial year, those are all internal services that your staff make use of that you need to provide to them to be able to do their work. So go and make a list. Um, sit and and discuss what are those critical services that you provide to the outside world as well as to your employees. Our second step is to identify the how and it's going to be a bit easier than step number one because you've already identified the critical services that are needed. The how part refers to how are these services delivered. If we take a look back at the email, for instance, if you've got hosted exchange, then those services are provided by a third-party client, such as Microsoft, for instance, for hosted exchange, or Mimecast, or 
um, whatever third party you might be using for email services. However, if you've got an in-house mail server, meaning that your mail is hosted within your company, then that is a critical service. I often get to um, CEOs and, and CFOs and I, I ask them when we sit and discuss DR planning, we ask them, how long can your company survive without email? Because this is a, a question that you need to ask. And in often cases, the answer is about a day or two days. But we've seen, and this is from experience, that an hour after email goes down, people start complaining that they can't do their work. And who are those people? First off, the CEO and the CFO. They can't do their work. They can't be without email. So email is probably one of the most essential parts of business and you need to focus on having that available to everybody within your organization. Okay, let's think back to your hosted web pages, say your e-commerce pages, for instance. If that's a service that's provided to the public, that's a critical service and you need to make sure that that is up. So how is this provided? By a server you might have an in-house web server that's hosting these sites or you might have a third party hosting your e-commerce site. So identify this. This point is to identify how this service is delivered to your staff and to your clients. Moving along to point number three, you need to identify the need. So what is needed for these services to be provided? Perhaps there's a SQL database that's running on a server, so you need SQL, right? Do you need a SQL expert? Have you got in-house SQL developers? Uh, is your development outsourced to somebody? So what is the need to have that SQL database restored in case of disaster? Do you need dedicated internet, for instance? If you've got e-commerce sites, then you need a, a stable, dedicated internet link to have that site available and running. Identify that need. What happens if internet goes down? So, heaven forbid, somebody puts a spade through your fiber link, but it happens. That's a risk. So, what is your backup plan? So, once you've identified the what, so what are you providing to the public and to your internal staff, the how, so how are these services delivered, and now you've identified the need, you need to go and sit down and identify the who. That's point number four of our discussion. So who are your key players in providing these services? It's referred to as a product expert or a champion. Now, who's your champion providing these services? I'm going to use the email server example again. If you've got an in-house email server, your who would be referred to somebody that manages the server. You've got a server architect or an exchange specialist that manages the server. Um, who is your key players in restoring these services? So your, your exchange specialist might not be your server specialist. You might have a hardware specialist that's responsible for providing the hardware upon which Exchange is running to host your email. And then you've got an Exchange specialist that focuses specifically on the Exchange databases and the Exchange services being provided. So make sure that you go and identify exactly who's responsible for which services. Coming back to your um, Excel spreadsheets that people might use for forecasting, 
who wrote those formulas inside the Excel spreadsheet. It's so easy for an Excel spreadsheet to go corrupt. If it's copied or used via VPN and the VPN drops in the middle of, of a transaction or a calculation, that Excel spreadsheet might become corrupted. And then you need your expert who configured that Excel spreadsheet in the beginning to come and restore it. So identify that who. Okay. Another who that you need to identify is third-party suppliers. So I'm coming back to the dedicated internet link. Uh, who provides that internet link to you? It's it's probably outsourced to a telecoms company, an internet service provider. And it's easy enough to say, yeah, sure, so I know who provides my internet service. But do you know who to contact in the event that that link goes down? Remember, this is disaster. So you need to go and de determine what the level of disaster is. If my internet link goes down and I've got critical services running on it, that provides a service to the public, then that's high risk. You need to establish that that risk could put your business on its knees. So identify what is your quickest plan of action. What is your quickest way to reach the right people to get the problem resolved? So that's not going to be listed as Afrihost, for instance, as my internet service provider, or Access, or Frogfoot, or whoever you might use for your ISP. A name of a company is not going to be your answer here. You need specific people within that company that can restore the service. So whether that be an escalation email address or a hotline for tier three support or whatever it might be, go and make sure who this person is or what this contact details is so that you know who to contact when disaster strikes. Remember, you can't sit and wait when disaster strikes for an email to go through or for an SLA time to expire, for the ticket to grow old, you need immediate service. So you need to know who you can contact immediately to have the problem resolved and then escalate the problem to the correct channels to have them resolved. Um, we've had often cases where internet links go down and then you contact the ISP and then you're transferred from one department to the next department to the next department. And at the end of the day, you transferred back to the original department and the problem is not resolved. So make sure that you know who the right person is. Go and draft that and put that in your plan. Speaking about those identifications of, of how this would affect your business, we're talking about risk and mitigation. And that's point number five, where, where you identify the risk possibility. This could be an interesting exercise because you need to think out the box with this exercise. If we take, for instance, the possibility of a server room being taken out by um, a meteor shower or a volcano or hurricane or whatever the case may be, um, that's your, your risk possibility there is probably at a lower risk um, unless you are in an area where there is a high possibility of volcanoes and, and tornadoes. Uh, in South Africa, we're lucky that that's not a high possibility. It could be listed as a risk, but that would be at the bottom of our risk register. Something like, for instance, a delivery van losing control and crashing into your server room, taking out half of your infrastructure. It might sound absurd, but it could happen. Okay, I don't know how your infrastructure looks and where your server room is located, 
but that might be a possibility. Say, for instance, you've got an air conditioner inside your server room. Um, that air conditioner needs to be serviced regularly. For what happens is that it ices up, and then at some stage, the air conditioner shuts down to protect itself, and then that ice melts. So if there's not a drip tray underneath your air conditioner in your server room, that water goes into your server room and it's all over your electronics, all over your cables. Identify that as a risk. It is a high risk and you need to mitigate that risk. So what is your plan of action when that happens to mitigate that risk, to, to get your services up and running as soon as possible after the disaster? Really sit and, and try and identify some risks. Um, and and this is the opportunity that you have to sit on your own time and develop these this risk register. For when the actual risk happens, there's no time to sit and think. Then you need to refer to your plan. And that is your next step. So once you've identified all five of these action plans, you need to put them into a written disaster recovery document. Now, when I say written, you don't need to print out a piece of paper and then write on it. Just digitally store it and file it as part of your company documentation. And store it in a, in a location where all the key players knows where it is and knows how to use it, how to reference it. So you would go in and draw up a what we call a service catalog. And your service catalog would, would read from left to right the five points that we identified now. Uh, and, and very important here is to go and, and list in your service catalog your different servers that provides these services and your your different suppliers. Say, for instance, your third-party suppliers, your, your hosted service providers. List them inside your service catalog and then list your key players e or what their contact details is, how you get in, in touch of them. And very important here is get a second contact. So say, for instance, your champion or your, your product expert who configured your service in initially is not available. Who would be that person standing? Because let's face it, we don't plan disaster, right? We don't know when disaster is going to strike. So that person might be overseas. They, they might not even be with a company that set that up for you initially. So make sure that there's a second in command that you can contact when disaster strikes so that you've got that backup plan in place. So identify those key players. It's essential that you do that so that you know who to contact. And remember when we spoke about the ISP uh, on about phoning the correct department or escalating to the correct department, list this in your disaster recovery plan within your service catalog. It's very important that you know how to do this. Now you need to test it. And it's easier said than done because how would you replicate a disaster, say for instance, a delivery van crashing into your server room? Luckily in South Africa, we are targeted with load shedding often. So that risk is already mitigated. Um, many companies already have a plan of action. They've got generators in place that, that automatically switch on when power goes down. We are prepared for that. However, do you have a backup plan if that generator should go down or if somebody forgot to fill the generator with fuel? That That's a big risk. So mitigate that risk. Identify who your second-in-command is. Um, do you get automatic alerts when the fuel level of the generator goes below a certain point? When last did you test that alert to make sure that it actually works? 
These are, are action plans that you need to put in place to make sure that your disaster recovery plan works. As I said, it's easier said than done. It's, it's really difficult to test the DR plan, especially when you're in production, when, when it's an actual system that's working. How would you replicate a SQL database crash, for instance, on live data? How would you replicate how the public would react to a failure within your company, failure of a service that's provided to them? You can't really replicate that. You don't know how the public would react. Um, my advice would be to go all out, go put it at a risk factor number five, highest level that you can with people rioting outside of your office because you can't deliver a service and work your way back to a calm situation where everything is under control. My last point that I would like to mention here is to get an expert on board. Um, oftentimes, people leave disaster recovery planning to the IT service provider or to the, the person with the, the most technical skills working for them, and that's not a good thing. You need to get experts on board. Dimension is here to help. We've gone through multiple DR plans with our clients. Uh, we've tested them, implemented them, had dry runs. We've been around the block with DR planning, and I'd like to invite you to get in contact with us. Let us help you. Let us draft a skeleton for you where you can populate that skeleton. We'll, we'll set up a service matrix for you um, so that you can just populate it and, and work from there. Trust us to help you with your DR planning. And you're welcome to send an email to info at ipdimension.net and we'll make contact with you so that we can assist you with your DR plan. Thank you so much for listening. I hope that this episode wasn't too passionate or too angry. and. Um, that you found some useful information in this and that this would assist you in drafting your DR plan. Remember, we are here to help and we would gladly assist you. Don't wait for disaster to strike. Make work of it today. Looking forward to speaking to you again. Have a great day.